We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Welcome to Faith Church. I'm glad you're here. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Matthew and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And if you're watching online, man, welcome wherever you are this Memorial Day weekend. I hope you get to enjoy your family and you get to enjoy uh, some good weather and uh, that the rain doesn't show up like it's forecasted. That would be fantastic. Uh, But we're glad you're here. Uh, If you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, We read a section of it there together. You all sounded great. Uh, We're going to read a little bit more of that uh, section of Scripture here together in just a minute. Here at Faith Church, we have a mission. Our mission is this. We want to bring faith to life, helping you belong to the family, become a disciple, and build the kingdom of God. We want you to belong, become, and build. This is what we want to see of every person. So we talk about growth track. We want to help you get engaged. We, we want to invite you to join us in this mission. And so if you've never attended growth track or you're not serving anywhere yet or you want to learn more about the church, growth track is your first and next step. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why we're doing Sunday Night Live tonight at 6 p.m., and you all are going to attend online. It's not in person. It's just on our website. You can stream it from your shorts and your tank tops if you would like from the comfort of your own home. Uh, you'll be able to log in right there on our website and interact and ask some questions and join us as we kind of recap all of the things that we've kind of talked about in, in big summary ideas so that we can go beyond just hearing the word but we can become doers of the word and really understand and grow in our faith. That's why we're, we're doing Sunday Night Live, because we want you to become a disciple. And it all starts from this very beginning place of recognizing that we want you to belong. Faith Church is a place you belong. You're watching online, and you're, you've been looking for a church. Maybe you didn't even know you needed a church, but all of a sudden you're like, I kind of need a church. Well, Faith Church is a place you can belong. We, we believe that with all our heart. We, we want to create an environment here in our services and online that is welcoming, that is life-giving. We want to create an environment that's got a little enthusiasm and excitement behind it, not something that's boring or drab because I don't believe following Jesus should be boring. If you're following Jesus and you're bored, you're doing it wrong. Right? I think we ought to be having fun. It, does, it needs to be chill and casual. We, we want it to be a comfortable environment, right? That's why, like, there are no dress codes at Faith Church other than simply wear clothes. Like, that's, like, that's it. I did a, I did a, uh, a, a, yeah, and our leaders, they have to wear shoes. I don't let our leaders wear flip-flops. Isn't that right? Yeah, no flip-flops among our leaders. Uh, that's also true. Because I don't trust your uh, manicure and pedicure abilities is actually... <laughs> We want to bring people to Jesus, not repel people. You're welcome. I'm looking out for you, friends. Did a, a wedding the last two weekends, and I just happened to be at a wedding uh, just last night, and I was there with a couple, and they are like, man, I don't think I've ever seen you in a suit. I wasn't sure you owned a suit. And I was like, oh, no, I do. It's either somebody's getting married or somebody died. That's typically because we have a different dress code. You're like, well, pastor, why are you wearing one today? I don't know. I just felt like doing like a spiritual mullet today, right? Like <laughs> spiritual business up top, block party on the bottom. I don't know. It just seemed like a good mix up today. This is just 
who we are. We want you to belong. We, we want you to come and belong, but we don't want you just to stay at the stage where you just know that you belong. We actually want to help you become a disciple. We want to help you grow in your faith. We want faith to come alive, but we also want it to mature. We want it to be strengthened. I believe that we are all products of our environment. And I believe our environments play a huge role in our behavior. This is why you can't help but act like your parents sometimes. As much as you said, I'll never do that like my mom. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I am my mom. Right? Like, this is a, like, doesn't matter how much, why? Because you are a product of your environment. Your behavior often is linked to what you saw in your environment. As a parent, this scares me. Because any problems and ill-formed behavior that I see in my children, likely, they saw it modeled somewhere else. And I'm running out of equity to blame my wife. <laughs> this is a problem for us. It's a sobering reality. And Peter writes and he says, I want you with a sober mind and an alertness to be aware of some things. In other words, your faith is often the product of your environment. This is why environment is important to us. We want to create an environment of faith. We want to create an environment where you can feel like you belong. doesn't matter where, what part of life, what side of the railroad tracks you came from. This is a place you can belong. It doesn't matter if you've never stepped foot in a church or you were born on the first row in church or it's been years since you attended church. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, this is a place you belong. And one of the challenges that we ran into in COVID was the fact that many of us couldn't get into the environment of faith. You were stuck just looking at my mug every single Sunday on your TV screen. And some things ought not be blown up that big. <laughs> it's not that you didn't get to hear the word every Sunday. It's that you were not in an environment of faith, an incubation of your faith. And... And then you went out and you lived Monday through Friday. And by the time you showed up on Thursday, you weren't sure if you were even saved anymore. Because of all the things that you walked through and experienced that week. And you were like, I don't know if it's really real. Did I really give my life to the Lord? Do I need to get baptized like a 12th time now? Like, like do I, can I even take communion anymore? Like, am I legally able to do this? Am I going to die if I do it wrong? Like, like you are struggling and wrestling and there are some people who want to heap a religious legalism on your life saying that if somehow the moment you give your life to Christ, you're not some 37-year-old fully mature believer with your own spiritual mortgage, then you're not a real follower of Jesus. And I say baloney. Pastor, what, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. When your kids are learning to ride their bikes and they have training wheels on their bikes, is it still called riding a bike? Yeah. You don't look at your children and say, well, one day you'll mature and you won't need training wheels and then you're really riding a real bike. It's only a pretend sort of bike for you right now. No, I'm pretty sure it has the pedals. It's got handlebars. It's got a chain that moves around and wheels. It's just got a couple extra to keep you from falling down. This is what happens in the environment of faith. There are some plants that in seedling form, if you transplant them to a different environment too early, they will die. And some of us need to be aware that we've been living and, and, and our faith is strong in one environment, but when we get in another environment, it's like we become our old person all over again. And the same temptations and the same sins and the same attitudes and the same old words that come out of our mouth come out in this environment, but we're different in this other church environment. And I want you to realize that God wants you to mature and grow because we all start as infants in the family of God. But we have to mature into toddlers, learning to walk on our own. Into children who begin to reason and understand and, and can articulate things on their own. 
into the independence that we need in some way to be fully participants and, and growing in a life of faith so that we are mature and bold and no matter what environment we're in, whether we're at work or we're at home, whether we're in church or we're on the highway, whether we are in Walmart behind the lady who's got 27 coupons and still writes a check, or, or, or we are uh, buying stuff on Amazon, zipping through things, watching stuff late at night, we are the same person who lives a God-honoring, holy life that looks like Christ. Whether it's a holiday, come on Friday, or a Monday, button it up and go to church. Whatever environment, we are becoming disciples of Christ. Our attitudes reflect Christ. The motives of our heart have been purified by Christ. Friends, this is what it looks like. We've been talking about these things. We've been calling it the practice of obedience. The practice of obedience, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, uh, go ahead and pull out your phone and, and jot this down. I'm going to say it as slow as I can. The practice of obedience helps us mature beyond just receiving the love of God into a life of holiness that reveals the love of God. Practice of obedience, applying what you hear on Sundays, living according to what God says is the code of conduct for people who call themselves followers of Christ. The, the lifestyle, the habits, the behaviors, the attitudes, the life. The practice of obedience helps us mature, grow up, develop, Beyond just receiving the love of God. This is where we all are at. Oh, we receive the love of God and it's wonderful. And we live a life of holiness that then also now reveals the real love of God. This is what 1 Peter 1, 13 through 22 is really trying to say. Let's look at it together. Starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Say it again. Say grace. grace. Friends, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves or your good deeds. It is a gift from God. This is how you receive the love of God. It comes in the form of his grace. This is the source of all of your obedience. This is what we talked about week one in this sermon collection. The source of obedience is a salvation encounter because the Spirit draws you into the family of God. This is the grace of God. This is receiving the love of God. That's the starting block that we're talking about. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children. Somebody say obedient children. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, share it on social, do whatever you got, got to do, excuse me, to get back to that verse. We're going to come back to it at the end. But I don't want you to miss that phrase, obedient children. As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Who called you? The Spirit of God called you. The Holy Spirit. None can call on the name of the Lord unless the Holy Spirit draws them in. The very fact that you receive the Holy Spirit or receive salvation is because the Holy Spirit was working on your heart and opening your eyes so that you can see and understand the, and have the enlightenment to know about this grace and hope that you need. It was the Spirit who was drawing you, in, wooing you in. It was the Holy Spirit working your heart prompting you and encouraging you to get to church. Open your Bible. Repent. Come, come, come give your life to Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. It's the Holy Spirit. He was drawing us. And because just as he who called you is what? Holy. What's the Holy Spirit's name? Holy Spirit. 
can I give you a, be a little bit more theologically accurate? His name is actually God. His role in the Trinity is the Spirit poured out. And his description is holy. But his name is God. He is a full representation and embodiment of what it looks like to be holy. He is holy. So be holy in all you do every Sunday. Just making sure you have a Bible and you're following along. So be holy in all you do when your parents are watching you. So be holy in all you do if you don't know how to clear your web browser history. So be holy in all you do if you can hide the credit card statement from your man. So be holy in all you do unless you've had a really hard work and you just need to cut loose and have a few more to take the edge off of life. Just go ahead and be holy unless you really, really need it. It's going to get real quiet in this Pentecostal church. I just want you to know. And if you're wearing open-toed shoes, you might want to move your feet underneath your chair. I'm about to step on some stuff. Be holy in all you do. Because it's written, be holy. Because I'm holy. I didn't say it in the first service. I didn't get to it. I talked too long about some other things. But I'm going to say it right now so I don't miss the opportunity. Holiness doesn't belong to you. We just get to embody and live out the holiness. Because the holiness belongs to God and God lives in you. And you get to embody the spirit inside of you. You get to be filled with the spirit and live that out. He's the holy one and he lives in you. He's holy. So be holy. Why? Because he lives inside you. He's been filling you and changing you and transforming your heart. He's poured out his love in your life. Be holy. Why? Because you can't help it. Because he's already in there and he can't help but be holy. Some of you can't help but your vertical challengedness. You can't help but be that height. Why? Because you just is vertically challenged. Or vertically gifted midgets. I'm not sure how you want to look at it, but like you just... Shoulder height, armpit level all the time. I love you. You're welcome. But you ain't getting, like, lifts all you want. But, like, all comes back down eventually. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't help but be that. Why? Because you is that. That's bad grammar, but it's accurate. The Holy Spirit can't help be holy. Why? Because he's holy. And he lives in you. Which means while he's in you, he can't help but help you be Holy. Is this too low on the cookie shelf? Like, do I need to like make it a little more challenging? Trying to help us. When he's saying be holy because I'm holy, he's not pulling out a ruler and measuring your holiness saying you ain't measuring up. You best hurry yourself up, little, little child. Come on now, come on. He's not pulling out the ruler and spanking your hand with it. He's trying to tell you, the source of your holiness is me. Because I'm holy, you can be holy. You don't have to live in the old way, slave to your old desires, in your old patterns anymore. You can do it different. Because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Verse 21. Therefore, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Now that, verse 22, here's the key verse. Now that you have purified, that, that indicates a moral uprightness. Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Purity and holiness show up in our lives as we obey the truth that God has spoken to us. 
It is from the place of obedience that we participate in seeing our lives transformed to the image and the stature and the fullness of who Christ is. It is in our obedience that we participate in our lives being more pure. It is in our choice to say no to our own desires and say yes to the standard of God that we begin to live out and are then seen as that person looks godly to me. They're not more godly because they've attended church longer. They are more godly because they've been more obedient to the truth that's been spoken to their hearts. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter how long you've attended. There are some people who have gotten saved and they immediately begin to mature and grow because they begin to walk in obedience where other people get saved and have been attending church for 40 years and have never really matured past being a toddler in their faith. Why? Because we stopped obeying. And we started trying to compromise and make God's word say what we wanted it to say rather than just simply obeyed what God's word said. I'll show you more here in a minute. And that's it's not meant to condemn us. That's not a shame statement. That's a, hey, there's an environment you need to be a part of so that one day you can get the training wheels off. We really want you to get the training wheels off because it's way more freedom and way more exciting when you're riding without training wheels. But some of us need to realize we still need some training wheels, and that's okay. This is what the family of God does. It's the mother and fathers in the faith who want to walk alongside you so you don't keep scraping your knee on the same curb. We want to help you navigate around it and grow so that you can ride on your own. You never grow out of needing the body of Christ, though, by the way. You, you never get to a point of maturity where you're like, well, I just, I don't need... I don't need the church. I'm, I'm good on my own. I've matured. I can memorize scripture. I don't need it. Wrong. It's the people who don't need it that grow in isolation that the enemy is like, hey, look, there's a sheep all by itself. They're not protected by the shepherd or the sheepfold. I'm going to attack. We all need the body of Christ. I'm not even in my notes, Carrie. I got to get back to my notes. <laughs> Obeying the truth. Here's the goal. So that you, oh, I love this. So that you have sincere love. Like, not that fake love, not that forced love, not that like, oh, bless you. And really what you want to say is, I've got a bird I want to show you. <laughs> like, like, sincerely. Yeah, I, I love you. But you don't see it the way I see it, but. You don't, you don't vote how I vote, but man, I love you. You don't think the way I, but man, your story is completely different than my story. And, and I love you. There's a sincere, a sincere love. For each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Listen, the word, Jesus said it like this. The world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's what John was saying. Love is, is the evidence that people need to know that you are a disciple of Jesus. But don't miss this. Love must come from a holy heart, sincere and holy. Holiness in your daily living is what produces God's love around you. You cannot love the way God loves without first allowing holiness to come and grow in your own heart. You cannot live a non-Christian life and expect to display Christian love. Now it's going to get real, real quiet. Because I'm coming for a cultural idol that we all have. And the cultural idol that many of us have is these four letters that make one word. Love. Love. It's an idol for, for many of us. And we misappropriate 
what love actually is. We, we misappropriate it. We think love means I do what I want and you love me in spite of it. That love comes from God. Don't miss this. Love is not God. God is God. Yeah, but the Bible says God is love. Yeah, it sure does. But it also says that he is holy. It also says that he is just. It also says that he is merciful. It also says that he is long-suffering. It also says that he is holy. He is faithful. He is unchanging. He is everywhere all the time, unchanging. His love is an attribute that helps describe God. It does not wholly and completely define God. And we wrestle with this concept so we see things that doesn't look loving in our eyes and we say, well, that must not be the way God would do it. And that's not true. Because God cannot be loving while at the same time violating his other attributes of holy. He cannot be merciful while at the same time executing, uh, not executing judgment. He has to judge and be merciful at the same time in faithfulness and truth, in holiness and in love. All at the same time, all the time. He doesn't change and he cannot violate one attribute for the other. Here's what, here's what we end up doing with love. We think love means we can compromise. But the holiness of God doesn't change the standard of our lives and our lifestyle. The holiness of God helps produce a love of God that helps you overcome the life of sin that you once lived. Love is meant to help you overcome. Love does not compromise the standard. If you are hearing or doing things and you're like, well, I just want to love them and show them the love of God. And so you're just going to not live to the biblical standard of what God says is holy and right and Christian living. And we're not going to live according to that way. We're just going to let it all happen however we want and call it love. You're not actually giving love. Love. You're giving them something. I'm not saying that means we are rude and crass and mean. No, no, no. Friends, you're like, well, God's going to forgive. Yes, God forgives. But he forgives not because of his love. He forgives because of his mercy. And he forgives because of his mercy, because of the justice that was served at the cross on Jesus. That was a punishment reserved for you me is it loving yes but it's also holy there's a standard of holiness and from the standard of holiness becomes and it is experienced the standard of love love each other deeply and sincerely love one another how do you get to the point where you love one another you've learned how to obey the truth so that you live holy as god is holy this is the challenge of our lives and of our faith. To, to wrestle and to see that these things, these ideas, they're not disjointed. They're not separate. They are one and the same. Love helps us overcome. Love doesn't compromise. It is only when love is given in a transformative way. When love transforms a heart, it's coming from the holiness of God. Not some reneging of a standard and saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then to give you a story in Jesus' life to help us understand this. There's a story in John where, I believe it's John, where, um, I think it's John 8, where Jesus is in a crowd, and all of a sudden there's this huge commotion, and a huge herd of people are running towards where Jesus is. And all of a sudden the crowd's part, the Pharisees are there, and they sling this woman right into the middle of where Jesus is standing. And the Bible is very, very clear that this woman was caught in the act of adultery doing some things with somebody who was not her spouse. Caught in the act. Threw her in the middle and said, Jesus, 
the law says we stone her for her actions. Now, I know it's 2021. That's stoned with actual rocks, not like recreational stoning. I just want to clarify, like, he's talking about rocks. Not a dispensary. Just need to know. What do you say that we do, Jesus? The Bible says Jesus does something really, really peculiar. The Bible says he bends down to the dirt and begins to write in the dirt with his finger. You guys remember the story in the scripture? Maybe you're brand new to the scripture. This story's going to blow your mind. If you've heard it before, I promise you I'm about to blow your mind anyways. Writing. And there's a lot of people that are like, I wonder, oh, Jesus must have been writing all of the mistresses that all those old guys had had all of their life. And they were like, oh my gosh, who's, I know who Sandy is. That's a problem. Like, I know that name. Like, oh, there's some people who believe that. I don't know that I, I'm, I'm there. I don't think that we have any biblical evidence for that. Some people thought maybe he was writing other sins and other commandments and the people were starting to get convicted by the word that Jesus was writing in the sand. And then as Jesus is writing in the sand, he makes this really amazing statement. He says, whoever is without sin gets to throw the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they began dropping their stones. You know why I personally believe that Jesus was bowing down and writing in the sand? I don't think what he wrote matters. I think why he stooped down in the sand matters more. Because the minute he stooped down into the ground and started to write, every eye in the crowd was now on Jesus, which means they were no longer staring at a woman who was caught in the act, y'all, of doing something physically that requires clothes to be removed. They were no longer staring at her. And eyes of shame have now shifted to intrigue at Jesus. And Jesus was covering her shame to show kindness to a woman. And as they began to leave, Jesus says, child, daughter. Interesting language, isn't it? Where are the ones who accuse you? Nowhere, Lord. No one is here accusing you. And he says, very good. Don't miss this. Now go and sin no more. Not, it's okay. If you sin again, I'll take care of it. Is that what Jesus said? I know you're in a really rough place. It's been a rough week for you. You got to make some money. I, I get it. It's tough. No worries. I love you. It's fine. Is that what Jesus said? He does not lower the standard of holiness, but rather because he is the standard of holiness, his love actually has greater impact. The world will know you are my disciples by your love. Your love that has to come from a heart that has been shaped and transformed and exercised and, and strengthened by obedience to the standard of holy living according to the word of God. Friends, my plea for you is to recognize that there is a, a way in which we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus that is contrary to the ways of the world. It looks different. We are called to a standard of holiness according to what God says in his word. This is what it's all about. Love for other people looks like holiness. It looks like godliness. It looks like God honoring behavior when people are watching and when no one else is watching. This is how we develop a faith. I don't believe that the world is rejecting Christianity because they say it's too hard to follow God. I think the world is rejecting our version of Christianity because we've removed every standard and say, eh, it's fine, it's all grace. And I hope there's something piercing our heart today 
that says, I want to live the way God says to live according to the standard of God's word and not move away from it, not to become legalistic, not to shy away from it. The word, you're like, no, pastor, they don't, they don't like us because we're hypocrites. They say we're hypocrites, and they're really the hypocrites. No, no, no. Listen, the, the world doesn't have, let me tell you what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is not because you messed up. Hypocrisy is when you mess up and pretend like you never did. What they have a problem with is our lack of humility. When we live with humility, they actually begin to see the forgiveness of God that transforms us. Because it's in our humility that we're willing to admit, yeah, no, there was a standard. And I missed it. No, no, I know. God says I should forgive, and I haven't. God tells me what to do with, with my body, my energy, my identity, and nope, haven't been doing it. God tells me that there is a line with alcohol that says uh, having wine is fine, having alcohol is fine, but if you're getting drunk, you are transgressing the laws and the commands of Scripture. The Bible is clear not to lie, not to steal, not to do these things. And, and we look at our lives and we're like, yeah, but I can't really live that. Nobody can really live that. Nobody's ever going to get to that point. So we just lower the line of holiness and we wonder why they look and say it's all hypocrisy. It's not a matter of will we miss it? You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up probably in the next 30 minutes. Like I'm going to probably just fall off the track. I don't know what. end of the day are we willing to be humble enough to say yep there's a standard of holiness that i missed i didn't follow the nudge of the holy spirit in this moment and i missed it i'm grateful for the mercy of god though i'm grateful for the mercy of god listen holiness from comes from obedience to the holy spirit who reminds us how to live according to god's standards 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tale. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. When, when, when you're learning to run a marathon, there's some training you have to do. Eating a certain way. Exercising a certain way a pace and a rhythm that you live and move at. There are things you say yes to and some things you used to say yes to that you now say no to. Training in godliness. For physical training is of some value. In other words, take care of your physical bodies. He says, it's good, do that. But godliness has value for all things. God is calling his church to be holy. He's holy. He's calling his church to be godly in all we do. Which means that the spirit wants to form us and fill us in a way so that we can live a pure and holy life. So that our allegiance to King Jesus would require that each follower of Jesus ask the simple question, God what do you want me to do with my body, with my energy, with my time, with my sexuality, with my thoughts, and with my treasure? What do you want me to do with these things, God? How do I live a godly life in these areas? How do I train myself to be godly in these areas? One word. Discipline. Discipline. That's how. Discipline. That's how you train yourself. It takes discipline to train yourself. Listen, discipline helps direct you toward holiness. It doesn't earn holiness, it doesn't earn more salvation. A daily discipline helps you move in the direction 
of the holiness that God has called you to walk in. Pastor, that sounds an awful lot like legalism. Yeah, without a relationship of the Holy Spirit, it easily becomes religion. It easily becomes legalism. It easily becomes a death trap. Friends, there are some days you're not going to want to read your Bible. There are some days you're going to not want to forgive. There are some days that you don't want to hold your tongue. There are some days you don't want to live with discipline and you just want to give in to the urges of your flesh. And because the feeling is gone, because you're not in the environment of God anymore, that doesn't mean we throw away the discipline. That means we ask the Spirit of God to breathe in our hearts and our lives, reanimate us by His Spirit and power so that we can live a godly life because it's in the Spirit that we live and move and find our being. That's how we have a form of godliness and still not deny its power, but embrace its power to live out the God-honoring life that He's called us to. It's the Holy Spirit in your life. You need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You need the language of the Holy Spirit. You need the full filling again and again of the Holy Spirit so that you can be holy just like He is holy. And then you will show the world the love of God because your heart has been transformed by the holiness of God. And in your life, you're living a, and in your world, you're living a godly life. This is why Galatians tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? It means allowing your spirit to stay filled and strong. And when He gives you a little nudge and says, don't click on that search bar, you don't click on that search bar. And when He says, two glasses of wine is enough, put it away. That means two glasses of wine is enough, put it away. When he says, don't you start yelling at your kids right now for doing the same thing that you just did yesterday. Change what you model before you get mad. It's the nudges of the Spirit. You don't need to answer that Snapchat DM. It's not going to be good for you. You don't need a new man or a new woman. You just need to keep living a holy and righteous life and watch God bring somebody into your life that's meant for your life. You don't need to follow the cravings in your own desires, you need to allow the Spirit of God to come alive inside of you and move in the right direction with those desires. What, what's the discipline you need to start? What's the thing you need to cut out of your life? What's the accountability and people you need to bring into your life? What are the things that you need to stop hiding hypocritically and humbly repent for in your life? do those things? What are the daily disciplines? Have you, have you fallen off and not been reading the word every day? Get back in it. Start the discipline. Start the daily habits. Start the daily routine. Start moving forward. Why? Because that discipline will move you in the direction of the holiness of God that we are called to live out in our daily lives. It's the daily discipline and the decisions that we need. Friends, the practice of obedience purifies our lives so that we can actually impact our world. This week, I want you to, to put this into practice. Real simple. Real, real simple this week. I want you to listen for the nudges of the Spirit and then obey them. Listen and obey. Listen. No, 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 don't send an email to the company. Your heart's in the wrong place. This is not going to be good. Listen. And then obey. Go ahead and delete it. You don't need to even need to send it later. Just delete it. Listen. What you're doing with your body is not healthy or helpful. Stop. Listen. Now obey. Listen. You've been spending money that you don't have to try to keep up impressions with people around you that don't need to be impressed by you. Listen and obey. Come up with a discipline to change your spending habits, your pattern. Listen. 
listen, there are some friends that are corrupting your life. You need to silence those voices for a little while and get around godly friends so that you can be in the right environment of faith and faith in your ears so that you can grow to the point one day you can go back into that environment and be a voice of change rather than being transformed by your environment and a slave to them. Now you're bringing real change to them because you've developed a heart and a strength of your own faith. Listen and obey. Listen. Cancel the Netflix subscription. Listen. Find VidAngel, which purifies and filters out everything. Start that subscription instead. All the cussing, all the filthy uh, scenes. Just get rid of it. Listen and obey. What are the nudges? The nudges are going to move you towards discipline. The nudges are going to move you towards holiness. The nudges are going to move you into a godly way of living with your body, with your energy, with your thoughts, with your time, with your sexuality, and with your treasure. Move in that direction. Move in that direction. Move in that direction. Listen and obey. Would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table? If you're at home, would you gather the elements, something nearby, something to represent you, something to represent bread? And here in the room, go ahead and make that really awesome sound and open up the communion. Friends, Scripture in 1 Peter says, living as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had. Obedient children. Do you know why God gives kids to parents? It's not just to be an expression of the love that is shared in the home. The number one reason and the number one role a parent has in raising children is to help their children learn how to listen and obey the first time and completely. Why? So that mom and dad can always be seen as right and fully authoritative and control? No. Here's why. So that one day your kids will grow up to hear the voice of God a voice of an authority and they will listen and obey the first time. Somewhere in our adult life, I think we feel like we've aged out of obedience the first time. And today, I believe the Spirit is prophetically urging me to urge you to listen and obey the first time. Because what the Father is speaking to you of a godly way of living is his best for you, to protect you, and to bring about the best purpose in you. But I don't understand. I don't like it. It's not how I think. That's not how the world works anymore. It's how the kingdom of God works. And if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said it this way, you must first become like little children like little children obey model the behavior you want your kids to mimic model the life that points them in a direction to hear the voice of God so that when they're older they don't hear it as a stranger's voice they're going to follow after the father's voice This is what we're after. It starts with me. It starts with you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, as we linger for just maybe 15 seconds. We want to come to the table, partaking of the life of Jesus, so that we can embody and participate in being like him in our world. So we take the bread and the juice, which represents his body and his blood, and we pause here at this moment, and we just simply ask, the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Would you just pray that to the Holy Spirit? Would you whisper that aloud? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today?
Father, I know that you're speaking to us through your spirit. For some, it's a new daily discipline to resume. For some, it's a, a habit or a lifestyle change that they need to make. For some, it's a perspective shift. For some, it's just a, a recognition that it's not that they're not going to make mistakes. It's just that they need to be humble and admit the mistakes rather than hide them with a grin. For some of us, Lord, it's going to be just not arguing with your word because we don't like it. We're just going to obey it and trust you in the process. So, Lord, as we get ready to take the bread and the juice, may this be our commitment to you to say we will listen and obey your voice this week. Let's take the bread together. juice which represents his blood that cleanses us. Father, in this moment, we thank you that we've been able to partake of the life of Jesus, embody it within us so that as we go from this place, we can live out the holiness that you've called us to. Lord, empower us by your spirit to listen and obey today, to listen and obey tomorrow and each day this week as we are shaped into your God-honoring holy image and life. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody who agreed said, amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today for his word? Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.